This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now, great moments in presidential history. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The Democrats have to now decide whether they will continue defrauding the public with ridiculous bullshit. I believe that together we can make America great again. Oh, girl, there it is. There it is. We are back. We're back in action on the best podcast on the planet, pound for pound. And those are a lot of pounds. According to my doctor, uh, everybody calm down. That's the name of the show. Calm down. Chill out. Calm down. You live in the best country in the world. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, I'm the host of this fine program. Also the head writer for The Kennedy Show, which you can watch on Fox Business Monday through Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Producer Sean Barry. Hello. I will be on the party panel tonight doing something you are intimately familiar with. I will be hosting... Fake News or Florida. Oh, fun. It's a big night on the show. Stephen Kent is on the show. He has a great podcast. Um, Michael Starr Hopkins, a guest on this program, will also be on the panel. And they'll be competing against Kennedy. And I will be posing as the host of the show. Talk the, about the game show. Yeah. I can see that. Talk about must flee TV. No, nah, it's going to be great. Come on. We're not self-deprecating today. We're in a good mood today because Tom Bevan is joining us from Chicago on the Michter's Voice Line shortly. Tom Bevan, one of the founding fathers of RealClearPolitics.com, which you know what I love about Real Clear to- Politics? There's nothing clear about it. <laughs> one article is by a Republican, the next is by a Democrat, the next by a Republican, the next is by a Democrat. All right. So whatever the issue is, let's say it's gun control, it's like, fuck it, arm the teachers. <laughs> the next one's like, no guns at all. The third one, you know, and I'm like, I-, I don't feel any clearer. And, and we have to get into it uh, with Mr. Bevan about this. I, I'd like to know what's the clear. Am I supposed to drop chlorine in there? Right. Is this a pool? We need the chlorine. The website is what we got to do. Uh, but we'll talk all things politics in 2020 with the great Tom Bevan, uh, a dear friend of mine from the Kennedy Green Room. Um, we've also got some interesting headlines today because President Trump just announced he's going to be the first president ever to uh, marshal the New York City Veterans Parade. Oh. Which I think is How nice of him. which I think is really funny because you know he knows New Yorkers didn't vote for him. Well, so he's like, I'm just going to come there and and vote and, and cause traffic. Well, it's not confirmed, Sean, because I know what you're thinking. He's going to get a deferment from the Veterans Day <laughs> I, Parade. I was about to say, wait, he made himself marshal for a thing that he didn't participate in. Well, it's very interesting. Serving, but the founders. I know you hate him, which makes our I'm show gonna, so I'm good. I'm going to throw up thinking about. Sean this. likes President Trump as much as a cat likes getting a bath. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, and that's what makes the show work. It's an apolitical show. We don't care if you're a Republican or an asshole like Sean. No, I'm kidding. We don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, Libertarian, whatever the hell you want to be. This is an audio safe space where you can just hang out and espouse your views and share them with us. And we won't judge you or mock you, not on the air anyway. Um, because at the end of the day, we live in the best place on the planet. So what we're asking people to do is not be an asshole. Be a Michter's guy. Treat people right. Bottom line. But what's interesting, Sean, and I bet you didn't know this. What's that? I didn't know this. 
he's famously gotten, you know, six deferments from the military for bone spurs. Yes, Lieutenant Bone Spurs. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny. But apparently he's been keeping the parade afloat for like 30 years. By, maybe, I don't know, that he either feels guilty or he's just a patriot. But he's actually donated a few million dollars to the parade to keep it afloat because it didn't always have a lot of financial support yeah, here in the city. Tax write-off. That's why. Uh, tax well, maybe. Right but what does Definitely. that mean? So, so nothing good happens. <laughs> and, and maybe. But the point is, uh, the fact that he's chosen our veterans as his tax write-off, if that's the case, means yeah. a lot to me. Right. Some people choose other things. They're like, save the turtles. Tax write-off. You don't get straws. He said, save the veterans. And yeah. I can support that. I can support so, that, too. So you put your fucking emotions to the side for uh, a second. It's difficult You bitter scumbag. I'm sad. The show is called Everybody Calm Down. There's nothing calm about you this I'm morning. I'm very calm. I'm not happy. Listen to my voice. I don't know. We begin with a couple of shout-outs. Sean Barry does not get any of them. All right. Uh, Sandra Smith, Bill Hemmer on America's Newsroom. They have excellent taste in comedy. They brought me on the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. I want to tell you something. Because it's one of the, you know, the daytime shows are a different type of show for a guy like me. Yeah, right. I'm slanging jokes, having a good time. Uh, but I had to tone down my look quite a bit. Because, you know, I like to wear, like, flashy, stupid tuxedo jackets and stuff at yeah, night. the game show host. Yeah, right? you can't really do that at 11 in the morning. Because right. you come off with my energy and my accent, you look like you're a guy who's on a cocaine bed from the <laughs> night before. <laughs> so I had to really scale it back a little bit. Uh -huh. But I will tell you this. I will probably be a fundamentally better interviewer today on today's show than I've ever been from doing that show. Because they very good at asking you a question or positing a theory and just getting out of the way. Mm -hmm. And just letting you figure out what it is you know how to, you, you can offer on the subject. And uh, it was great. It was a great experience. Uh, second shout out. So shout out to them. Uh, that's actually a two shout outs. So. Wow. I'm under-promising and over-delivered. I promised a couple of shout-outs. We've already got those two out of the way, one for Bill, one for Sandra. Now what? Uh, Jim Fossil, former New York Giants head coach Jim Fossil, mm -hmm. who I interviewed yesterday on the Blue Rush podcast, the New York Post-New York Giants football podcast, uh, probably changing their name to Blue Rush for the exits because the Giants suck. <laughs> They're 2-7. and seven. But Jim Fossil was a great interview and told me at the end that was the best football interview he's ever done. Wow. Which meant a lot to me. Congratulations. I, I was excited. I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but coming from Jim Fossil, it was a big deal because um, when we switched the Super Bowl, and my family understand the Super Bowl is a high holiday, as big as Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter. It's debatable where it is in that one through four pecking order. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, obviously, Christmas is still the big one in my family, but the Super Bowl might be two. If it's not two, it's three. It's definitely bigger than Easter. Oh, in my yeah. family, Super Bowl is huge in my bigger, family. No, I understand. I know, but I come from a Catholic family, so Easter does matter, Sean. Oh. I'm a dirtbag Portuguese like you guys, what? just frying up your fatty bacon. <laughs> I'm not Portuguese. You just give a shit, whatever you are. I've had it. <laughs> I've had it today. Oh, you guys are the best. But the point is, I love the Portuguese. Love the highly educated. <laughs> we won with highly educated. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. But anyway, <laughs> the giant Super Bowl where they played against the Baltimore Ravens in 2000. Jim Fossil was the coach, and it was a seminal Super Bowl for me because my the soup, that was the first year it moved to my mom's house. Mm -hmm. It had always been at my Uncle Sonny's house, and my mom assumed hosting duties. So she's now hosted 19 Super Bowls. That was the first one. Giants lost the game 34-6. to <laughs> But I'll never forget the day because we eat in my, you know, my family, it's, it's, you know, the food is not food. It's a hazing ritual. It's disgusting. It stops being food like 20 minutes after you get there and turns into this other thing. Have you ever eaten to the point where you're just actually so disgusted and bloated you're calling yourself names, oh. but then you eat some more? 
Like that's my family. <laughs> that's what we do all the time. So you just eat, 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 till everyone's lying on their side, groaning like a Civil War battlefield. You know, and uh, then you eventually roll over and eat more. You take like a nap. You wake up hungry a minute later and now you're eating again. But that was a big Super Bowl. And I'll never forget because we were going to do all that eating. I took a five mile jog around the perimeter of Levittown and then uh, I ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. It took me like two hours because I was a fat slob in the year 2000. And then I came back, bet the Giants. Little did I know that was only the beginning of my running that day because the Giants lost 34 to 6 and I was uh, running from several collectors oh, for like three days after that because, you know, young Jimmy was given to such proclivities. Yeah. I like to bet the sports. Hustling. like to bet the old pigskin, but thanks to Jim Fossil, yesterday's killer interview, he redeemed himself for that night I spent in the meatpacking district giving handies to wayward sailors, <laughs> and which may or may not be a true story. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's closer to true than I care to admit. Uh, but you know what? The rent doesn't pay itself, Sean Barry. It does not pay itself. Yeah. So a big day on the show. Uh, Tom Bevan's coming to town. You're in good spirits, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm feeling nice. I, uh, you know, Best day of my life, Jimmy. Is it the best day? Yeah, every day. You know who's not having the best day? Who's that? ABC News. Oh, no. We're going to get into this with Bevan when we oh, come no. back. Did you hear any of this? No. It's ABC News. Amy Rohrbach. Um, a news anchor at ABC News was caught on an undercover video that came out yesterday admitting and completely in its entirety admitting the network had all the goods on Jeffrey Epstein abusing underage girls really but sat on it for three years and admits right on the tape because they didn't want to piss off the royals and not get interviews with like the queen or Kate and Will or wow. even Prince Andrew and flat out admits it and gets caught on tape admitting it. And we'll play it in a little bit. And um, in its entirety. That's like anti-journalism, though. Of that's, course it is. But they all do that. I mean, the, the, I just want to jump in here. You, what's particularly egregious about this is these are the, you know, the people in the press do a lot of grandstanding and telling us how vital their work is and how important they are to all of us. And, you know, free press is not the enemy of the people. Mm -hmm. You know, they protect themselves against right. President Trump's attacks, basically. But I would guarantee you, I mean, we already have proof that NBC did this with the Harvey Weinstein story. Obviously, we have proof now that ABC did this. They have, they're all doing it on some level because they're all they basically weigh. Um, journalism goes out the window when it comes to their bottom line is the reality of this. Yeah, they're, they're too sponsored. And, and they're like, what's more important to us? You know, breaking a story about Jeffrey Epstein, who's banging little kids, which is should be the most important thing in the world, mm -hmm. but it's not in a bottom line business. They're like, oh, or or do we break this story to be, you know, good journalists or do we sit on it so we get good ratings? Because right. they want to interview that Queen of England. Good you know ratings what I'm equals more money. For yeah, 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 yeah. So they sat on it. She's now caught on tape. Uh, the media isn't running with it to the extent you think they would because, of course, they're all in their own glass house and they don't want to be throwing stones out the window. Yeah, exactly. But you better believe that conservative Twitter is on fire this morning, showing back fire. Exciting. Memes. Epstein didn't kill himself, all that what? stuff. Still? Did you see the guy do that on Jesse Waters the other night? Yeah, it was we'll actually fantastic. It. it was hysterical. I didn't see I, it coming at all. It was so funny. He laid it out there at the very end. I And I give Jesse Waters so much credit for just playing along because he's just like, well, that's some commentary. And just got <laughs> out of there because he can't really address it. There's nothing he could do no. in that situation. The guy got it onto the air. Right. But I just give him credit for not just flat dying laughing. Because I would have laughed so hard because you understand in that moment, you're now starring in something that like a hundred million people are going to say, right. yeah, of all the nights for me not to be on Waters World, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's been a nice night for me. 
But no, all I got is a bottle of Mictors, which, well, to be honest with you, yeah. is better than any TV appearance I'll ever do. <laughs> God damn it, I love this product so much. It's not good. It's you really not good. You know, maybe Epstein did kill himself. Yeah, yeah. and come to think of it, yeah, <laughs> fuck him. You know that? Say shame on him for not mentioning me in the note. I'm not happy. We got to take a quick break because Tom Bevan is on the Mictors voice line. Oh, boy. He weighs in on all things 2020 and the scandal at ABC News. And it is a scandal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's things have gotten so hot, you know. By the way, the Royals are taking a break. You remember we were talking about this? Uh-huh. How um, Meghan Markle's taking a six week break from her royal duties? Sure, it's been tough. It's for her. not easy. I know. You think those Xbox games play themselves for Prince Harry? No, not easy. You got to get on Fortnite. You got you know you got to log on. You got to pick out a, a skin and a dance. She has to roll out of bed. Every day, roll and roll and roll until she finds the edge of the bed, and then she can get up. It takes a while. She rolls out of bed. It takes 20 minutes. She needs the Waze app to find the end of the bed because she's sleeping in that big of a pedestal palace. We feel bad for them. We'll come back with Tom Bevan right here on Everybody Calm Down. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are stressed out from their busy lives of flying around in private jets, eating five-star meals, and getting six-handed massages. It's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes. You can help take the edge off by donating to the Royal Relief Fund. I never thought that this would be easy, but I thought it would be fair. The Royal Relief Fund is your chance to help whiny, entitled do-nothings survive their woe-is-me charade of a life. It's not enough to just survive something. Like, that's not the point of life. For just $283,000 a day, you can give a British royal things they desperately need to survive, like 30 assistants, five personal chefs, and a string quartet to serenade them while they poop. Because not many people have asked if I'm okay. The Royal Relief Fund, connecting gullible fools like you with self-important clowns like them for over five years. Oh, we're playing kung fu music on the show. Uh, name of the program, Everybody Calm Down, hosted by Jimmy Fallon, head writer for the Kennedy Show on Fox Business. Why are we playing kung fu music, uh, producer Sean Barry? Because our next guest joins us from the mean streets of Chicago, where it probably helps to know a little kung fu, especially if you're going to Subway at 3 in the morning for a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he is uh, one of the founding fathers of Real Clear Politics and a, and a damn good pal of mine. Tom Bevan is on the Mictor's Voice Line. Hey, Tom Bevan. Hey, Jimmy. Good morning. Um, seriously, first of all, thank you for doing the show because I know you could be trying out to kick for the Chicago Bears right now. I probably could, actually. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I don't sorry. Know. I don't understand. I could double doink it just as good as any of those guys. <laughs> I don't understand, Tom Bevan. Like, kicking was, like, something we almost took for granted in the NFL. Everybody could kind of kick. Now nobody can kick. I don't know what happened. But nobody yeah. can kick a field goal, especially, and I don't mean to do that to you, but don't feel bad. I'm a Giants fan. We can't do anything. Can't even kick an extra point yeah. in the Giants. Right now, the Well, new- listen, truth, truth be told, I, I grew up in Seattle, so I'm a Seahawks oh, fan. Oh, okay. First and foremost, I have lived in Chicago now for 20-plus years, so I've adopted the Cubs. I've had trouble adopting the Bears. Uh-huh. Uh, my kids are, are 
they want to root for the Bears, but the Bears make it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell them it could be worse. You could be a Giants fan. Right now, a black a black cat leads our team in rushing for the season right now. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Ran across oh. the field. Yeah, it wasn't good, man. Uh, and yeah. I gotta, just talking from experience, the visiting cat did not help the home dog. The Giants got covered by 30 <laughs> points, which is why I'm up early doing a podcast to pay the rent today. <laughs> no, no, never, never a pretty thing. And by the way, that whole story about you growing up in Seattle and rooting for the Seahawks, uh, be sure to mention that to Kennedy that you like Pete Carroll so she can never book you again. She hates oh, Pete Carroll. Right? You know why? Because he's a USC guy and she's a UCLA gal. And uh, I always tell Kennedy, I'm like, you really got to pick your battles. Like, I know you love UCLA, but UCLA football, you know, is a joke. This is not the John Wooden, you know, Lou Alcindor, you know, this is football. UCLA is not known for football. Um, so I think she needs I, to back off the throttle. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't know if you were on the panel with me <clears throat> a couple weeks ago when we did the show. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the NBA. Mm -hmm. I think you were, actually. Oh, was this with China? Yeah, with China. Okay. And, and I had mentioned that I was a Sonics fan, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I had sort of given up the NBA after the Sonics left town. And Kennedy was <laughs> – I was actually shocked at how much she was – she mentioned Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she said one of the funniest lines I've heard her say on TV. She said – I'm actually the mother of a few of Sean Kemp's babies. I almost, like, <laughs> I almost spit out my uh, just lost it on TV. It was hilarious. Hey, and she might have been man. If you ever read her, if you, there's, there's a good there's a good story in her book about how Michael Jordan tried to play play her in a game of poker for her virginity when she was at MTV. No True way. Story. Yeah, according to the book, uh, she won the game, but uh, oh that might have been edited by the publishers. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really, yeah, really, that's that's why you come on the Kennedy Show, Tom Bevan. Uh, you, nothing conventional about it. Nothing. It is a it is a real hoot to do that show. I love it. it. It's fun. Well, it's you know the best written show in cable news. I mean, how could you of not enjoy yourself? Is. Ha ha. Very good. So you were on last <laughs> night. We'll start there. You guys were talking about uh, election results in uh, presumably Kentucky is the big one everybody's talking about. Um, first black attorney general in the history of the state. He, of course, a Republican. But I think the headline obviously is that the governor went down. Matt Bevan, who is no relation to you, Tom Bevan. Correct. Correct. Spelled differently. Sounds the same. Yeah. Now he was. Um, he was the incumbent and he was under some great duress in the state. Uh, his opponent was the, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the, the offspring of a f prior governor, correct? Correct. Beautiful. This, this is why we have real cl clear mm -hmm. politics on the show. He knows this stuff. <laughs> yeah, clearly. So you don't need my MOOC accent coaching you through politics, you I know? know? I don't know. Um, and I want to say this, Tom Bevan. We have a little gripe to pick with your site, Real Clear Politics, because there's nothing clear about it. One article's a Republican, one article's a Democrat. By the time I get to the bottom, I have no idea what's going on, Tom Bevan. <laughs> what is that about? Well... What that's about is is trying to provide for our readers sort of the best arguments on both sides so that okay. people can read them and decide for themselves who they mm -hmm. believe, who they think has got the better of the argument. Yeah. I mean, the idea is to be sort of have, provide this balanced perspective mm -hmm. uh, of folks across the ideological spectrum and and a good mix of, of issues as well so that people can inform themselves and, mm -hmm. and uh, make their own decisions. So it's designed that way. Okay. Um, but you sound like you're a fairly persuadable fellow. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm working for whiskey. Are you kidding? I mean, yeah, anything you need. No, I, I, I love the site and we applaud the fact that it's offering a balanced approach because obviously most sites out there aren't. Um, but have you noticed now more than ever um, that the news really has become like a choose your own adventure? 
in that it doesn't matter what the story is. You can turn somewhere to hear that this is good news for your party or you can turn somewhere to hear the antithesis of that argument. Has it ever been um, that, you know, has it ever been this incumbent on the news consumer to do their own research as it is right now? No. And and so you make a, a couple of good points. One is that we have I mean, this. There's been a great sorting that's been going on in this country for decades. It predates Trump, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it Some people can trace it back to, you know, the 60s and 70s. Some people say it was the Gingrich Revolution in 94. Some people say it was the, you know, 2000 Supreme Court decision that really sort of rendered the country and split us into these partisan divides. Advent of cable news, social media has all played into this, right? But we do have, we do have sort of two separate realities now that, that, uh, folks are living in, mm-hmm. we don't even see, seem to be able to agree on a, a single set of facts. And then you put on top of that the sort of tribal nature of Trump himself, mm-hmm. which is, to your point, I mean, it's it doesn't matter what Trump does. <laughs> um, I mean, take any issue and, and you wake up in the morning and Democrats hate Trump and will hate him even when he does things that they agree with on things like trade and other mm-hmm. things. He never gets any credit for. It. He's always terrible, and Republicans are always supportive of him, no matter what he does. Even when he does things that are, you know, outrageous and and off the hook. And so, so there is this very, uh, you know, bifurcated uh, reality that we're now living in, and it makes it it makes it difficult. And then to your point, we are living in the most uh, the the most complex information age in the history of humankind, right? We have yeah. more information coming at us from more different angles all day long, every day. We're looking at our phones, you know, 5, 10, 15, time, 20 times a day consuming information. And that is – it has obviously been a boon in some respects, but it's also been a bane in the sense that we are now being manipulated by folks, mm-hmm. whether they are partisans here at home or Russians or Chinese or mm-hmm. whomever – uh, you know, who, who are trying to inject into our media bloodstream false stories and, and, and whatnot. And so it is very much incumbent, I think, upon uh, the news consumer now to be discerning and to try and, and really figure out what the truth is, because it's so easy to be manipulated. And, and this election is going to be yeah. the worst it's ever been with deep fakes and some of the stuff that's coming down the pike. I mean, it's going to be really tough for consumers uh, who want to yeah try and understand what's going on to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that's the thing. I I think the reason people are so agitated when it comes to politics in this country is because it's become a full-time job for a lot of them that they didn't ever want to do. Meaning people never spent this much time fighting over politics in my lifetime, but a lot of people when the le- level of political engagement got really high at the tail end of 2016 started to fancy themselves as like constitutional lawyers online. And at the beginning, a lot of those arguments were easy because you could just grab a headline and run with it on Facebook and defend your point to the end. Uh, But now, as the issues have become more nuanced, people have created more homework for themselves. And I think we're divided not because people care, but because they don't care. Like this is almost a branding exercise on social media for a lot of people. And this branding exercise, the the job description, the workload keeps increasing. Um, But my favorite thing, Bevan, about all of this Trump hysteria and all the comments he's made 
Biden, you know, we can all agree. I mean, he is he has survived predicaments that would have disqualified thousands of prior politicians. Um, right. But my favorite one as a New Yorker that I always hear brought up is like, this guy's crazy. He said he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and he would still be OK. And I'm like, what, what people outside New York don't understand is that, yes, like when New Yorkers heard that comment, most of us are Knicks fans and we want to get shot in the middle of Fifth <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> we're like, where has this guy been my whole life? <laughs> Pick me, dude. So it's crazy, well, Bevan. It's crazy. That is, I, I would just add to your point about, about politics and, and you mentioned sports. I mean, the other thing about it is politics is affecting everything now. There are no escapes. We can't turn to the NFL. We can't turn to the NBA. We can't go buy a chicken sandwich. We can't go <laughs> you can't, you know, buy yeah, razors. Hey, we can't you, do anything you can't without watch, being. You can't watch Dancing with the Stars. You can't even watch that that refuge for America, <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. Uh, no, there's literally nothing now that's not touched and infected by politics, and if and 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 I think that's part of what makes people so so exhausted and yeah. frustrated by the whole thing. It's tough. Uh, and the, the Dancing with the Stars one is always funny to me because I consider that show like Sharknado, but set to music. Because everybody who's on it is on the tail end of whatever they were doing professionally, right? And that gives them like a little shot of relevance. So I well, do love the Spicer thing in that it's kind of a troll on the show itself. Um, but exactly. I don't think it and, and Andrea Pizer actually has a column in the New York Post this morning about that, Ooh. saying, and, and it, which is making sort of an astute point: the parallel between Sean Spicer and and Trump in 2016, which is that you know the judges are trying to throw him off every time they they give yeah. him the lowest scores ever. <laughs> but the but the will of the people, the voting public, yep. whether they're trolling or whether they actually support the guy or whatever, <laughs> they're in on the joke, right? <laughs> and they keep him there just to just to frustrate the elites and the, you know, the powers that be. I mean, that's, that's actually a, a pretty it's, good parallel to what happened in 2016. It is. It's funny. It's, it's true. And the, and the spice man's going for it. You know, if he wins, he probably, <laughs> he probably gets a cabinet gig. Cause Trump's going to be like, I like right. how you stood up there. Yeah. You know, you're coming back. You know how to reality TV. It, it would be really funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yesterday. Wait for that. Oh, it'd be great. Uh, and, and speak the, to the lack of escapism yesterday. Um, I was doing America's newsroom and we, we were talking about Seth Meyers. He, um, yep. late night comedy, he's putting out a Netflix special that allows you to fast forward through all the Trump jokes. So essentially, if you do that, the hour special is only a minute long. <laughs> right. this, the, right. the only word you hear is hello, and then the credits <laughs> roll, basically. But I think, um, I think that late night comedy, I say this everywhere I go, and I can't say it enough. I think late night comedy has really screwed a lot of people over in terms of their ability to deal with the political divide because we used to have it as common culture. We agreed on it. It never openly tried to alienate half the country. Right. And I think it's doing us a disservice because it was one of those common culture things we had, like the Oscars, the NFL, um, where at the end of the day, you, you were done arguing and you just went and tuned out and did this thing. But now, I mean, I have friends who write for Seth Meyers they're spending more time researching politics than I am as the head writer for a cable news show. And um, <laughs> they really are, though, because they're trying they're, they're 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 mining this content so deeply for humor that they have to get into everything. And I think what's going to happen, Tom Bevan, is I think whether Trump wins or loses just the idea of us heading towards a post Trump world, I, I think will hopefully take the edge off. Um, but 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 in your I guess what I want to ask you is, or have we passed that point where this is just how the game is always going to be played? Is this yeah. beyond? Is this beyond Trump now? That is a great question. It's the sixty-four thousand dollar question. And I've I've talked to a lot of people about this over the last couple of years, and and you know, 
is is this the new normal or is trump a unicorn is he is he an anomaly and an aberration that whether he's gone next year or four years from now or 10 years from now as he often likes to joke um you know do we do we go back to something that is more conventional and more normal yeah i don't know the answer to that honestly i think you can you can argue that round or square i mean typically presidential reaction presidential elections are sort of a uh, you know, like a physics experiment, there's an equal and opposite reaction when you swing too far to the left, you come back to the right, and vice versa. And you had, you know, you had George W. Bush, who was sort of the the decider, and then and people after after reelecting him went with Obama, who was sort of the cool, you know, academic, thoughtful type guy. Um, and then they went, you know, the opposite of that way. So there's an argument to be made that we will go back to something that's more conventional. Uh, we but I do, but mm-hmm. I do think that the, the the social media, the cancel culture, all of this stuff, the partisanship that that is driving America right now, um, that's the new normal. And I don't know how a, a conventional president sort of fits into that. I think I, I'm afraid that the answer is that this is the new normal. And uh-huh. Trump, while Trump is certainly unique in the sense that he's been able to sort of get away with stuff that other people could not mm-hmm. – um, I think he's established a baseline for, you know, the way the way to operate and to go around the media or over the media through, mm-hmm. you know, Twitter and Facebook and the like mm-hmm. uh, that that other people will emulate because it's been so effective. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the truth is that he's his own messenger now. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say, like, oh, you got to kick him off Twitter. But what people don't understand is Trump is not relevant because of Twitter. Twitter is relevant because of Trump. Like, if they threw him off Twitter, he's going to MySpace or whatever the hell he's doing next, and he's just going to behave the same way. And it's all going to come along for the ride. But I think at this point... um, you know, he he has he has his production model. He is the world's assignment editor. He likes to get up in the morning, whatever's on his mind, he's going to tweet about it. And that's what the media is going to run and cover. And I don't think it'll change for him. What I think the next person will try to do, whoever they are, if they're smart, is just make the pace of this a little more manageable, meaning Trump creates so much content it's almost unsustainable because they're all right. first drafts. I mean, literally first drafts. There's typos. You know, the other night he shouted out the wrong state that he was coming to campaign in. <laughs> it was going to Mississippi, but he's like, Louisiana, yeah, can't yeah. wait to see you tonight. You know, it's a mess. <laughs> but that's the problem with living in a first draft world. None of us are writers. We're rewriters. But we don't live in a rewrite age now. It's all very reactionary. So on your site uh, with, you know, Real Clear Politics, which everybody should check out and patronize as frequently as possible, what is the overwhelming sentiment as we march towards 2020. Obviously, you guys have a lot of cool polls and poll averages and stuff like that. I know his national numbers are bad, but his battle state numbers, battleground numbers seem to be within reason, according to the New York Times. Where do you see it this far out? Do you see this as a winnable election? Is he in big trouble? Like, where oh, do you yeah. see it? No, 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 no. I, look, I think I think it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely winnable for Trump. Okay. I mean, those New York Times battle. There's a lot of focus on. There's a lot of focus on these national polls. You know, this Washington Post poll that came out yesterday had Biden up 17 and Bernie up 14. I mean, take me to a book you right now, and I will bet any amount of money that Joe Biden is not going to beat Donald Trump by 17 points next November. No, no I mean, chance. Right? No chance. Mm-hmm. So those those numbers are they're just unusable at this point. Yeah, it's too far out. Well, you it's know, it's too far out and, and and the national numbers are skewed. You got to look at the state numbers. And there, I think there is evidence that Trump, you know, look, his, his approval rating in some of these states isn't great, um, <clears throat> but his base is stuck with him. 
mm-hmm. and and he will be able to motivate them. And then the question is, in the end, it's always a binary choice. It's always like, okay, I don't really like Trump, but what is my alternative? Who do I have to vote for mm-hmm. if I don't want to vote for Trump? And we don't know the answer to that. And so I think um, if if it is Warren. Uh, you know, it's absolutely winnable for Trump. Yep. I, I think any of the Democrats, it's a, it's a winnable election for Trump, um, but it's also one that's very much winnable for the Democrats. Oh yeah, he's he's vulnerable. It's going to be sure. It's gonna, absolutely well. Bill Nelson, uh, former Florida governor, said yesterday that if they do nominate Warren or Sanders in Florida, they're going to lose. They're going to lose the state of Florida, which is a key part of the firewall, or, or at least would be anyway. It's a key piece um, because they're they. I think what's happened is, and there's always a pivot after somebody wins the nomination. They always pivot a little bit further back to the center. Um, But they've gone so far left in this primary that they've really lost touch with a lot of the moderate voters because the vast majority of the country is moderate. And when you look at the midterm elections, every seat the Democrats flipped was in a moderate district. You know, the squad, you know, they had just assumed seats that they won in districts that were already 99 percent to the left. So I think whoever has to make this pivot is in big trouble um, if they're as far left as a Warren or a Sanders. Now, if it's a Biden or if Hillary, or the Roy Munson of politics, as we call her, comes running out of the locker room. Because, <laughs> I mean, Tom Bevan, is, is there anything more kingpin than Hillary coming out of the locker room uh, and, and facing Trump, who is the big Earn McCracken of politics? He really is. He's the Bill Murray character well, in Kingpin. He's got the hair and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, yeah, no. I mean, the only other thing is that is 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 a Michelle Obama coronation mm. at the at a contested convention. That's sort of a that's the royal flush yeah, scenario we, in poker. Yeah, the royal flushes. You can flush the election down the toilet. <laughs> you want to know why? Because all of those school kids whose lunches she ruined are now old enough to vote, and they're like, well, "Yeah, here's here's for your okra." You know, this used to be a cookie. Now they're eating broccoli. They hate her. Well, listen, just to just to sort of circle back to our broader conversation. Mm-hmm. I do think and here's here's what I fear. I fear that this election is going to be really really close, mm-hmm. right? And half the country whether Trump survives by a little or or is defeated by a little or you know whoever mm-hmm. the democrat is survives by a little or is defeated by a few thousand votes in some of these states is going to half the country is going to feel like the election was stolen. Mm-hmm. Republicans suppress the vote, the Russians, the Chinese whatever. And what what America really needs mm-hmm. is a good ass kicking, one yeah. way or the other. Yeah, right? we need a, a real blowout. Something that's, that a blowout where where it's not in dispute, mm-hmm. and so the people who lose have to go lick their wounds, and and can't be coming up with you know conspiracy theories about why they lost and waving bloody shirts around for the next four years. Yeah, it's going to get ugly um, because if it's if it's close, mm-hmm. that's exactly what's going to happen. And again, regardless of who wins, if it's President Warren. It's going to be chaos for her and for the country. <laughs> it's going to be for a the mess. next four years. And if Donald Trump wins by a whisker, I mean, you can just imagine the heads will explode, and <laughs> and there will be, you know, more investigations, and they'll I, whatever. I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be a mess. It's so. going to be a mess. It's 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 probably a good time to be doing a podcast called "Everybody Calm Down." You know, <laughs> <laughs> we might have timed and this just whiskey. right. Yeah, exactly. Whiskey. Stock up on the whiskey. Calm down. And Bevan, Bevan, we say this all the time before we let you go. Everybody who keeps saying there's going to be a civil war, we're too lazy of a country. There's no way there's a civil war at this point. There's just no way. If someone makes an app where you can fight a civil war, it could probably happen. But absent that, it's going to be fine. So everybody calm down. Tom Bevan, I owe owe you a bottle of whiskey. All right. That sounds good. When are you back in New York, man? You back next week, maybe? 
Uh, I think two weeks. We need you on the show, man. You're a ratings magnet. Did you know you, <laughs> you, you, you are a ratings magnet? They like you. See, I just like being part of the the Monday Man Panel. The mantle is we, like it's my favorite thing. We so. do nice. Well, if you like the fine fashion on Kennedy, you're going to love tonight's show. Uh, I am wearing. Uh, I'm hosting a segment called Fake News or Florida. And uh, the last time I wore this jacket on the air, I actually got a call from Liberace's ghost who asked me to tone it down. <laughs> he was like, uh, yeah, this is, nice. you're going too far. But uh, shout out to you, Tom Bevan. This is a big deal. We really appreciate you coming on. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Jimmy, thanks. There he goes. Tom Bevan, everybody. There he goes. The best of the best. And uh, there's nobody I like talking to more than Tom Bevan. He's a good guy. Uh, no, he's a great guy. Uh, we met on The Specialist, which was a 5 p.m. show on Fox News we did together. Mm-hmm. It was my first time on the show. And he was like a real cool, you know, it's the way he is here. He's uh, an open-minded guy, which are the easiest people on earth to talk to, you know, as opposed to those pain in the asses who've just decided they hate the president no matter what comes out of your mouth. (laughs) Sean! What? You know what I'm saying? No, it's going to be fine, Sean. It's going to be fine. You're the greatest. Um, So we take a quick break, just a quick one, and we'll come back with a couple of headlines. Jimmy's got a little bit. I got a little train to catch. I got a big meeting, some radio executives. And I uh, gotta host the shit out of uh, fake news of Florida tonight. Are we allowed to curse on this show? I probably should have asked. We have been. A couple of news headlines when we come back on Everybody Calm Down. all-new intervention. We go inside the disturbing new addiction that's bringing America to its knees. My name is Doug Fritz, and I am addicted to yelling at celebrities on Twitter. Everyone in my feed was bashing Ellen DeGeneres, so I did it too, and I got 50 likes. I was like, wow, this is cool. Yelling at celebrities on Twitter was a high like nothing I'd ever felt before. It made me feel morally superior on issues I didn't even know anything about. I was getting a huge rush of approval from people I'd never even met, but they must be cool because they agree with me. I started skipping family functions just so I could try and get complete strangers fired from their jobs. And then I hit rock bottom. My boss saw my hate-filled tweets about the people who were spreading hate. And I got fired. Intervention. The yelling at celebrities on Twitter epidemic. I don't want to put down my phone. Nobody likes me in the real world. Love to know who made this. I did. Probably some drunk yep. <laughs> mess. Ding, ding, ding. Welcome back to everybody. Calm down. Me and Paul. Go to Real Clear Politics when this is over. Just patronize frequent everything Tom Bevan does. A great guy. If we could clone Tom Bevan to be a decent country again, mm-hmm. we really would make America great again. As opposed to right now, it's just cranky. America, you're cranky. You're too cranky, America. It's well, so good right now. Well, I like the way he pointed out, too, how there's, uh, we're losing places to uh, basically escape. And I know you brought that up a yeah. hundred times. It sucks. Whether it's late night TV or sports. I remember uh, Johnny Carson was even famously interviewed and was asked, uh, how come you don't you know, espouse any of your political views or mm-hmm. what you're thinking as far as that goes? 
He's like, well, it's not the place to do it. You're supposed no. to come here for entertainment. It's not my position. Get to, away from it. To tell you which way to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to have fun here. That's so. supposed to do. You hit one side, you hit the other, but you don't actually take positions. Right. Here's the thing. Most comedians know that their politics aren't supposed to define them because we're self-aware enough to know that we shouldn't be in charge of steering anyone's vote, man. We all, you know, most comedians come from broken homes, drug addicts, or a mess. You right. know, we've well, you lived very debauched lives. Yeah, we should we should not be in charge. Right. That's not who we are. You become like a, a funny activist. Well, that's what Seth Meyers is. The right. applause breaks outnumber the laughs, I agree. which means you're giving a partisan lecture, which is not good. Um, if you want to see actual stand-up comedy, I recommend. You know what I recommend? Go on. Go to Amazon Prime. Check out State of the Union. <laughs> I hear the guy who's on that one is actually pretty damn good. Sounds great. That is my 2016 release, State of the Union on Amazon Prime. A lot of people don't know this, Sean Barry, but I'm hard at work on the follow-up right now. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of pieces that are falling into places on the other side of my career mm-hmm. that are going to facilitate uh, the shooting and distribution of my next special. Oh. And I'm, fu- I mean it. I don't like to curse in the show. I'm fucking mad because I've been doing so much uh, cable news stuff and, and writing Kennedy and everything like that, which, which is my dream job. I love it more than anything, and I would never leave it. Um, but it takes me away from stand up. And I think stand up has fallen into this state of disrepair right now. And I, it needs a badass to ride in and just be funny and be cool. And I'm, I'm honestly, you feel like you, nobody's cool or funny to say that they can be cool and funny. But I like doing it so much, and I think it shows in the work. And I think I'm gonna take that motivation, Sean Barry, and I'm gonna write a masterpiece. Do you want me to sit on stage with you, just off to the side drinking beer? Yeah, that would be cool. Just because I'm so used to working <laughs> yeah. with you now, that's funny. When I'm fil- when I'm on Fox News Radio, they're like, "Who's the guy in the corner with yeah. the can of beer?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's just part of his rider. Yeah. He brings that guy on." Uh, a couple of quick headlines, Sean Barry. And this is a big day. It is a big day. Four Locos, hard seltzer, officially (laughs) goes on sale today. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. It's today. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about this. Go on. But no, Four Loco has been teasing this since August as the hardest hard seltzer ever made. 14% alcohol by volume. Now, they wound up having to tone it back to 12%. You know, just a little, just just so you're not legally drunk upon opening a can, just opening one. Yeah. Um, but it's now it's 12% and it went on sale today. And uh, they had postponed the release date from like October to today. But I mean, first of all, I think Four loco drinkers are used to waiting for a release date. Most of them have like criminal records. It's not the biggest deal in the world. But uh, they had postponed it because apparently they had to do some type of federal tweaking because they couldn't sell it at 14%. We could probably consider it like a barley wine or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if, you know, you're in the bail bonds business, this is a big day for you. This is a really big day because you're going to be racking up a lot of of bonds tomorrow, the next night. Like, have you tried the, like the... The moderately alcohol contented, uh, you know, hard seltzer. It's it's awful. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine anything yeah, beyond five percent. Yeah, but but, uh, but also just like, stop being a child. Drink beer. Drink whiskey. Yeah. Drink Michters. I It's like the fastest growing segment of drink of alcohol is the spiked seltzer, because young boys, white kids, right. white kids, it's like Zima. Yeah, it's like their Zima. Yeah. It's for pussies. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> But you got to drink like a man. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't be buying hard seltzer. You know. It's crazy. Don't be thick, all right? I don't know. But the point is, uh, it's on sale today. And Four Loco, in its previous incarnation, 
really was like ushered in like the golden age of paddy wagons in New York City. Do you remember mm-hmm. all the people getting in fights, getting arrested, yeah. breaking stuff? And now they're back with a stronger beverage. <laughs> For real. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. Uh, ooh. The Rand Corporation. They do a lot of highfalutin studies. Ooh. Uh, sleep divorce is on the rise amongst married couples. I will explain. This is not sleeping with someone else. Divorce, sleep divorce, which mm-hmm. is when a couple um, sleeps in se- a married couple sleeps in separate beds okay. in order to get better sleep. All right. Now I will jump in here. I am practicing sleep divorce on the weeknights because Lincoln will fall asleep in our bed mm-hmm. before I get home from Fox. And uh, he's like 6'2", 250. Right. I'm not carrying him to his bed. No. So I'll usually just go crash in his, which works out for me because if I get into my bed, I might wake Jenny up. And now I've got to put on the Viking helmet and get put through the paces, <laughs> you know, which I'm not a piece of meat. You know, sometimes I just want to sleep. You know, she can't keep her hands off me. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a weeknight. I got nine jobs to do. But uh, we do practice sleep divorce in our house. But apparently it's a it's a rising thing amongst all married couples is that a lot of people are doing it. And, you know, I'm of two minds on this. One is that I think people have become more sleep conscious because studies are telling us we need to be. Mm-hmm. But I also think, like, the amount of people having sex has gone down dramatically because we are like such a predominant society of beta males now Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we keep reading all these surveys about how most people only communicate online. Uh, People are are having sex at a much later age in life than they were when we were kids because it was a more physical world. Mm. I think in the advent of the phone, everybody is so much more isolated that it almost makes sense. It caters to that lifestyle that they can go somewhere because they're true. your true intimate partner in life now is your phone. Right. You spend more time connected with your phone than anything else in your consciousness. Very true. So we've gotten to this place where yeah, people aren't sleeping together. And I think this study is probably pushed by like Sleepy's mattresses or something. They're right. like, you need a second mattress, <laughs> you know? Couldn't you just get a bigger mattress and not touch each other? Yeah, get that, that Meghan Markle thing you yeah. were talking about earlier <laughs> in the show. Yeah, well, you sleep, exactly. Well, you sleep like bi-coastal. Yeah. You're on the other side of the bed. Well, the problem in the Fela house is we have like a California king. It's massive. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, I'm 6'1". Lincoln's about my height. Jenny's like 5'11". And we have a dog and two cats. And right. everyone insists on sleeping in one bed. <laughs> it's crazy. We're like fall teeming over the sides like a migrant ship, you know. And uh, it's, it's a mess. But uh, we make it work, I suppose. But I am in favor I am in favor of sleep divorce, you know, and I think it's like, you know, when you get married, you have kids, they crush enough of your regular dreams that mm. you should be allowed to have some nighttime dreams, you know, mm. so I, I'm getting behind it. I, I say sleep divorce is a, a good thing, Sean Barry. You agree? You disagree? Um, I mean, my current situation is my three-year-old will wake up in the middle of the night and come crawling to bed with us. She'll, she'll be that wedge. Mm-hmm. Uh, between me and my wife, and it's cute at first until she starts going sideways and throwing me little kicks in my kids. Yeah, they move around a lot. Oh, they get me right in the back of the head. <laughs> I, and then, yeah, and then I'm like, I need to, I need to get up and go sleep on the couch. Right, right. Well, at least you get up and you don't just throw the kid. No, because I've been not, known, any, not anymore. <laughs> I've been known. <laughs> I've been known to airmail a cat across the room at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah, a funny, a funny story. Do you know, <laughs> do you know that? Uh, you know, Kennedy hates cats. Okay. And and sometimes if our families are at like we're having like a weekend getaway, 
where like she's over with her kids, my mm. kids, my family, and we're having like a, you know, her and Jenny make a big meal and we all hang out for the weekend. My cat Elvis, cats always know and dogs always know the person who hates them. Right. So they try to win them over. <laughs> so my cat Elvis will literally, if she's sleeping, sit on her head, <laughs> sit on her head. You know, Elvis. cats like stomp you out to oh, soften yeah, yeah. you up. He'll do that to her head. And uh, I'm not going to accuse her of throwing a cat. But one night I did hear a very suspicious cat yelp <laughs> and a noise hitting the wall right. in the downstairs room. I was like, ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that and I was like you know what good for you girl because you know you got to stand up to these cats mm -hmm. so they literally will walk all over <laughs> so thank you I shout her out for that uh, San Francisco man was allowed to take a horse onto the BART train as a service animal <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at in 2019 the guys walking onto the BART with a horse <laughs> Somebody said to me this morning, they're like, what about the smell? I'm like, don't worry. They give the horse nose plugs. <laughs> <laughs> the part is disgusting. And uh, it's a horse, and it's there's a picture of it on the NewYorkPost.com. And uh, he's just sitting there holding the horse by a leash. He cleared it with the bard. He wrote a letter ahead of time. They're calling it a mini horse. It's a horse. He's a horse on the bar train. <laughs> and they're just riding along. It's just that's that's where we're at now in 2019. And it's amazing because there was that study yesterday in San Francisco that they have. They now have more dogs in San Francisco than children. They now have horses on mass transit. But oddly enough, none of these three groups are responsible for the poop on all the sidewalks because <laughs> yeah. San Francisco is disgusting. Yeah. It's really lost its mind. All these liberals have run the place into the ground. That's just how white folks will do you. Got to clean it up, San Francisco. Mm. I don't know if you saw this, but a Wisconsin guy assaulted two Pizza Hut employees because he was asking for extra cheese. Mm -hmm. And they, they gave him, he ordered extra, extra cheese. Okay. So they gave him what they considered to be extra, extra cheese. He said it wasn't enough. Mm. And he's like, I want, I want you to make me a new one. And the girl's like, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm only going to make it with this much cheese. Like apparently there's like a legal limit to how much cheese they can give this guy. Sure. But he beat the shit out of everybody. I mean, this is in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. This so. is, I mean, these are cheese happy people, <laughs> which I want to say you live in Wisconsin, the cheese capital of the world. There's such better cheese you could be eating right. than Pizza Hut. So I, at first I was like, I feel for this guy because I know what it's like to just be a slob because you don't go to Pizza Hut. For the food. You go because there's something wrong with you in life. Right. And you want to eat to this place of, you know, there's an unfillable void. But you want to try to fill it with self-hate. And cheese. Yeah. And, and, and just gorge yourself. And uh, they wouldn't cooperate. So at first I fell for him. But now I'm also thinking, like, there's so much cheese around you. Just go get some more cheese. Well, I mean, what kind of assault? How did he assault them? You just... Oh, he started, first he started throwing toppings at them. <laughs> like he started hitting people and throwing stuff. And I, I love this expletives. footage. And every time you get the security camera of yeah, yeah. people in fast food places just losing their shit because yeah. they're not getting what they want. Yeah, it's the saddest thing <laughs> you ever. Know, the, you know what the best part about it is too? There's no winners in that. <laughs> like the cops didn't get there till like 12 minutes later. <laughs> But they were still able to catch him because he could only run so far. Oh, Guy God. who likes pizza this much. He was like doubled over in the parking lot trying to catch <laughs> his breath when they showed up. And it was so funny. It was like literally like, a, which way did he go? And they're like, no, no, it was 12 minutes ago. You won't catch him. And they're like, sure we will. And they did. He's right there. Yeah, he's there. He's uh, probably going to plead not skinny is my guess because he's a fatso. But I love him. He's a man after my own heart. Good Florida story. Uh, Florida 911 operator uh, is facing criminal charges. For watching Netflix while someone called in a shooting. It just doesn't get any more Florida than that. I yeah. mean, I'm not even going to make a joke. We're doing a segment on Kennedy tonight called Fake News or Florida. Oh, yeah. I will save all the Florida material I got for that. 
But uh, does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me. Well, no. I mean, if you're sitting at a booth and your job is to answer a phone, you'd like to think someone's a, a 911 operator. They're, I don't know, they're more altruistic in the sense they're trying to help or whatever. But it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a job. We answer the phone. That's really what it is. Well, you'd like so to think. You're, so you're bored. No 911 calls are coming. You're watching Netflix. I was just going to say this. Call comes in. You hit pause. And you're, hey, 911, what's your emergency? But, but I guess this person wasn't answering the phone. Oh, well, <laughs> it was then, like, there you go. 911, leave a message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, but yeah, uh, big trouble in, in in little Florida. Mm. So uh, we wish them the best of luck. Yeah. Uh, one more for the road. Sean Barry, uh, a little bit of a cautionary tale for those of us uh, parents in the audience. Uh, a video game addict in Thailand died last night mm-hmm. after playing uh, an overnight binge uh, for 30 hours straight, mm-hmm. which these stories always happen on that side of the world. I like to say, this happens often over a there. A lot, where they just play all night, all night, all night, and then they, you know, they're playing video games for 30 hours, and then... <laughs> Yeah. And unfortunately, you can't insert more quarters, right. which is what these people need to understand. Well, they have like literal cafes of mm-hmm. internet cafes. And you yes. sit there and you play your video games and you're in a comfy chair and you're playing for however long you want. No mm-hmm. one's going to stop you. Nobody. You don't even know anyone in there. Mm-hmm. And typically these, these people die, <clears throat> excuse me, and no one even realizes they're dead until, you know, hours afterwards. <laughs> until the next kid comes in to play for 30 hours. Right. Like, hey, he's been sitting there for a while. He's yeah, not even playing. <laughs> he's asleep. They're oh. not even, they don't even care that he's dead. They're no. like, just get him off. Right. It's, like that, it's like that story in Spain where... There's this video all over the internet right now. A woman was staring at her phone in Spain and walked right onto the train tracks. Oh, God. Now, she doesn't get hit. They yanked her out of the way. And uh, But it, it really um, is so illustrative of, like, the difference between here and there. Because, right. you know, in Spain, the definite takeaway is, like, oh, my God, she, she could have been killed. Whereas in New York, it's like, oh, my God. I could have been late. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some selfish bitch had to get hit by the train. Right. That's when you know you're a New Yorker. Yeah, it's, true. you know, you, those moments when you're actually mad at the guy who got hit by the train right. because you're going to be late. Like, yeah, you think you have problems? You know, <laughs> it's also one of those things. Well, they just don't go on the tracks. Like yeah. they got tracks for these things that are for the train. If yeah. you're on them, you're going to die. It's, so there's that, ho- there's that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the great Tom Bevan, realclearpolitics.com. Frequent their site often, uh, early and often. Uh, drink Michter's. They're the best people on the planet. And I'm not just saying that because they're taking me to a swanky lunch tomorrow. Nice. They got some feedback on the show. I'll be outside the restaurant banging <laughs> on the window. Hi. <laughs> Hi, guys. I might be outside the restaurant by the time we get the feedback on the show. Who knows what episode they listen to? And the idea that these mics are even on at this point, I think, is a miracle. Well, Every day, me and Jenny get done with TV, and we shut the front door and just die laughing. <laughs> like, they fell for it again. <laughs> I can't believe they put you on the air, you fat fuck. <laughs> Very supportive household. Uh, tune in tomorrow. For a celebrity guest who is contractually not allowed to promote the appearance, but has been approved to be on the show. Spectacular. How's that for a tease? All right. Watch Kennedy tonight. Fake news of Florida. Held down by yours truly. 9 p.m. Fox Business. Uh, You can watch it again at the midnight replay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be extra saucy at midnight. You know what I'm saying, Sean? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of inside jokes at 9 that only make sense when you watch at midnight. It's true. Which is total bullshit, but we need to boost that midnight number. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not above lying on a podcast. Politicians can lie about the the heritage, everything else they do. It's like everybody in politics is a liar, except Trump. He's the one honest guy, right, Right, Sean? (laughs) Sean, he's so mad. (laughs) Calm down, Sean. It's the name of the show. Good call. Own it. See you tomorrow, everybody. Oh, 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 oh,
home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy.